Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence. Through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Here we go. Three, two, and one. Welcome back to the LARCast, the first LARCast of 2024. What's up, Russ? How you doing, man? I'm doing, man. It has been, it's been a month, man. <laughs> it's been a month, but it's all changed now because it's the new year. The new yeah. you and the new year. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, man, we had... All the stuff that went on with our son, and then we came home and had a, a toilet bathroom fiasco, and then my wife's car got hit in the parking lot, and then my parents came into town for Christmas, and then a mouse died and ran off with a trap and fell down into a wall in my house. So we had, oh, yeah, yeah, gotta love that one. Like like that trap was on its tail? Yeah. No, like it got him just enough where he could move away from where I could reach him in a crawl space and then died in a wall. Yeah. Yeah. That's the people always say, I love Florida, man. Like the mango trees in your yard and, you know, like, dude, all the tropical plants. I'm like, well, mango trees are pretty amazing, except for they also bring fruit mice Mm. and you got to really work to keep them away. And yeah. And then my wife and I got into this amazing uh, argument. Um, and just with all that's going on in life and I had to leave for a meeting and I took off and then she called me while I was like 10 minutes down the road and I almost didn't answer. Cause you know, you were pissed. Like I was, I was rightfully, rightfully, you know, indignant. Pissed. Yes. Yes. And, um, you were in, so I, I gave in, I thought maybe she was calling to apologize. <laughs> So I said, hello. And she said, I don't have the heart to do this to you. You need to come back home. And I was like, what? She said, you need to come back home. I said, I'm late for a meeting. She said, I know. But you were cutting your hair and you got all the sides done and you forgot to cut the back. And it looks absolutely (laughs) ridiculous. And I just can't do that to you. I wanted to just let you leave, but. What a loving, gracious move. Right. Right. So yeah. From so we came wife. back home and got the hair fixed. And then we made our New Year's resolutions and everything has been up and to the right. Just hunky dory since then. That's it, man. Oh man. You've had you've had an eventful eventful month. The only I thing have- eventful going on at the Sourcey household was that so the water levels in nwi are you know water tables are hot mm-hmm. are higher than ever so we don't have a sump pump in our crawl space so it like you know flooded got a bunch of water on all of our contents kind of late summer so we scheduled like this crew to come out to dig you know drain tiles all along our foundation and put a sump pump in well they came 
like late December. And, you know, they got to drill a hole out the front of the house and dig these trenches and freaking trashed, like trashed our landscaping in the front (laughs) yard. But the good news, I'm out there with a hose, you know, like freaking 20 degrees trying to, you know, screw this hose back onto the the faucet and get this all this clay off my <laughs> sidewalk and driveway and it's all getting, getting tracked into the house and you know these crews man that you know come and work on these crawl spaces they come in and they're like laying down the plastic because they're trying to like protect your carpets and your hardwood floors and all that smelling like just dank buds dude like they just burned a fatty on the on the way <laughs> over. i'm like dude who are these dudes who are get these? done working at your house and there's a mess everywhere and you're you find yourself like pulling the, the head dude to the side and going hey man just out of curiosity think maybe i can ride back with you dudes <laughs> <laughs> i'm like hey this guy over here that smells like a dispensary i'm like is this the guy that's gonna be drilling the hole you know out of my rim joist through my you know the my brick in the front of my house i, so I was it. like man i was like and I don't care except for how like that relates to doing a good job, you know, cause you know me, I'm pretty particular. Yeah. Want everything to look nice. And I'm like, you know what, man, I'm going to work. I'm like, don't say anything. I was like, dude, if I worked in a crawl space, you know, for my entire, you know, job, dude, I'd be, I'd be doing anything I could to get through it, man. Mm-hmm. So I can understand that, but it, it turned out great. It doesn't smell like, you know, funk and mildew anymore down in my crawl space, which is great. So, yeah, our entire crawl space was all spread all out through our our house and bedroom and, you know, crap and all that kind of stuff. So we're getting back, getting back to normal, but no dead mouses. No, uh, you know, no hair, no hair incidents. Nobody hit my nobody hit my vehicle. Now watch, I say this now, my, I bet someone puts a big freaking ding in my door. Your turn is next, man. Yeah. When I think about like, uh, new year's, right. I mean, there's no need to get into all this. We, we hear it everywhere, dude. And we're now at a place in society where on your social media feed is the mix of setting the right, the right goals for the new you and the new year and how to get there. And the other half of your feed is, you know, you're fine the way you are. Forget the New Year's <laughs> solutions. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, just strive to live every day, you know, with peace and joy and blah, blah, blah. And so, anyways, I, I look at all that and I guess what I've been reminded of lately is life happens. Life. Life happens. Life happens. And there's Shit no happens. getting away from it. Yes. And I think the life of faith is, if you think about it, like the life of faith is allows you to enjoy the everyday, the simple, right? The good, the beautiful things that come with life. And I think the life of faith allows you to endure harsh realities, hard times, real things that happen that you cannot and will not escape. Mm-hmm. None of us will. None of us will. And I think there's a peace, man. 
and a joy that can be found in understanding faith through that lens. Hmm. Because anytime faith is about you becoming something else, you're doomed. Anytime faith is about eliminating hard things in life, you're doomed. Anytime faith is about obtaining a safe and secure life, you're 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 going to get met with reality, man. Mm-hmm. And you're going to wind up questioning God, questioning yourself, questioning people you're listening to, and then you're bouncing to right this guru over here, and then when that doesn't work, then you bounce to this ten step plan over here, and when that doesn't work, then it's well this one therapy, blah blah blah. You just keep it's just endless, man. It's maddening. Yeah, it's maddening. Well, it's like excuse me, the line, uh, the best line that came from uh, Christmas this year was somebody asked my aunt Nancy. Like, hey, you got any New Year's resolutions, Nance? You know, heading into the new year, she's like, "No, I'm just sick and tired of failing, so I don't, I don't do, you know, resolutions." And what's so funny is that's fitting to oh, our conversation today because it's like we're trying to yeah. use not necessarily the law because maybe someone could be like irreligious and not, you know, be grabbing onto the capital L law, but we grab onto these lowercase, you know, L yeah, laws. For sure to really start getting after it. And we're really trying to like overcome, you know, our humanity and we're trying to overcome who we are. We're trying trying so hard yeah. to not fail. And what's crazy is like, we've got into it again, but like our passage today is like very much um, a reminder of the, of the purpose of the law. The law came yeah. in to show us the truth about who we are. And that yeah. gives way and paves way um, to really seeing and embracing and reveling in the promise. Yeah, if you had to title, if you had to title this section of scripture in Galatians three, which is where we are today, if you're new to the Larkcast, feel free to back up, listen to other episodes. We've been walking through the book of Galatians. Um, if I if I had to pick a title for this section, starting around verse sixteen, it would be the freedom to fail. I think Paul's trying to help people see, and it's just so fitting how this landed by no working of you or I. Like this just like literally fell into today. I found myself laughing as I was going over notes in the early morning. I'm like, here we are with like, you know, the new year. And, and this whole premise that Paul's driving home is you guys are, are have grabbed onto the law as a playbook to help you live safe, successful lives. Hmm. And in the process, you actually fail to live altogether. Hmm. In other words, you've grabbed onto an idea of life and trying to achieve it that's keeping you from actually enjoying and living life. Mm -hmm. You're, You're slaves to an imaginary self and society you're trying to achieve. And you cannot nor will ever achieve. And so and, instead, God's inviting you into something much more beautiful, but you're in such love of control and this picture of success, and you're so petrified of failing mm-hmm. that you actually miss it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's this cool like uh, parallel um, analogy he draws, you know, coming up here about being a child, you know, like in like mm-hmm. school age, you know, and the purpose of the law in that. And, it, and it's funny, like in this like roundabout, robust, you know, way, 
that only Paul, you know, can do this theological way. He calls them like, dude, you're acting like children. You're like mm-hmm. kids, dude. You're like immature kids when it comes to faith. And it's no wonder why later on in the letter, he's like, I feel like a mom who's had to give birth to you twice. That's how much of a kid <laughs> you're, you're like. That's how much you're acting like a oh, kid man. right yeah. now. Cause they're so afraid of freedom. Yes. They're so afraid of freedom. Um, like most parents are with their kids, you know? And so we use the law we use the rules to keep everything safe, everyone in check, everyone, yep. you know, from not tripping and, you know, bashing their lip on the floor. Um, pat, we're padding everything, you know, everything's padded, you know, we got all the gates on the, on the staircases, yep. you know, we got all the things that could hurt you out of reach. Um, and that's kind of the analogy he draws with uh with the law and the attention of it here so peterson peterson gives a really cool um analogy in relation to this in in kind of drawing out the irony in it you could say with a with taking a look at judas and peter to make it quick judas is savvy he's crafty this is a this is a successful dude he was able to convince all the disciples, man, to give him hold of the treasury. This is a guy who could play the political game so well that he was able to orchestrate the arrest, right, of Jesus. I mean, this is a guy who's after a sense of of, of security and success. Mm-hmm. And he's been playing the law game, man, for a long time to get there. Peter, on the other hand, is completely inept. I mean, this is a dude who's forever putting his foot in his mouth, right? He's not good at parties. He's, I mean, he's, he's, he's not the guy who's all right. Who like social media feed you're following and doing everything you can to emulate. He's just, <laughs> he's just not that dude. He's like the opposite of like how all the guys seem to be so in awe of like Rogan. He's the complete opposite. Um, but yet you fast forward to today and the word Judas, right. Is synonymous with betrayal. Yeah. Pe- people aren't naming their children Judas. People have forever for 2,000 years named their children Peter. My father's name is Peter. There you go. Peter Anthony. Because, and, I, and I think it's just, it's, it's just fitting because you live in a world where like political power and money, man, security and success, finding our identity in these things, this is the goal. This is where we're running toward. And Judas played it well, and he missed life altogether. I mean, in the words of, of of Peterson, Judas's life is a parody. Jude, no, he even goes on and says Judas's suicide is a parody on freedom. Mm. Think about that. And yet, however, you look at all that Peter experienced and all of his failure, right? And the freedom to fail. This is a dude who encountered depths of, of his humanity and the beauty and the depths of who God is in his humanity. And went on to experience a faith and a joy and adventure, man, in life. That in the end, when facing death, the thing that we're all trying to stave off, as you said, you know, in the end, he just welcomes it. Like, oh, wait, so now I can go home? It's like, whoa, man. And again, I, I think what you're ultimately getting at when you dive into this is there, there is this element of, of faith 
And there's this point that Paul's driving home that those who are free to fail are the most free. Hmm. And to get into this, I think is where he goes into like verse 16, when he brings Abraham into the picture, you guys are all grabbing onto the laws of means of success. You're setting all your resolutions around it. You're constantly measure mapping and managing, right? This ideal picture of yourself in society. It's crushing you. And you, for some reason, you keep going back to the law and Moses, the law and Moses, the law and Moses. And Paul's like, uh, I don't know if you guys have forgotten, but the figurehead at the front of this whole adventure of spirituality that you and I have grabbed onto, like our lineage, starts with a guy named Abraham. Mm -hmm. It starts with a promise from God to him and to his offspring, okay? Singular. Singular. Right? Singular, Paul says in verse 17. So it's a promise that's made to Abraham that will be fulfilled through the coming of the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus, through him. That promise was made 430 years before this law that you're all grabbing onto was ever even given. Mm -hmm. And it's centered around the life of faith, which is the actual life God's given you. He hasn't given you a law, a life of law keeping. Mm -hmm. He's given you a life of faith in him. And you have so missed this and so misused the law that in the name and pursuit of achieving life, you've actually are constantly missing life all together. Mm -hmm. yep. It's like, whoa. And we're so scared to death of freedom and failure. Mm -hmm. Something that we talked about, um, you know, pre-show. And it's like, yeah, you know, a lot of us, you know, our identity, our public image, a lot of our, our careers and our jobs, it's all yeah. built on performance. Um, it's really hard to embrace failure personally, but also, you know, professionally. And so, man, like anything we can do to just keep from failing. And even when we do fail, try to cover it up. Yeah. Or blame. No, I get it. You know, I'm in awe so of what Paul's unveiling. I'm not. I'm not in awe of how well I I do at this. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can just you can see the appeal. You can see the appeal. There's, there's a sense of security, in it, for sure. But what's funny is like you're using, the one thing, that was, kind of God's mechanism. Yeah. Of like really showing you who you are, which can give way to the promise for you seeing like, no man, instead of trying to pursue a righteousness of your own, um, through measuring, mapping, managing, you know, this curated disciplined life in the law. And in the end, get this two bit righteousness that you can muster yeah. up this list, you know, your accolades, your personal accomplishments and achievements, um, instead of that two bit righteousness, dude, there's a better righteousness that was promised long ago and it didn't come through the law. It came through yeah. Jesus, right? Going back to John, yeah, the one I was reading that like over Christmas, um, you know, the law came through Moses, you know, here's Jesus. He, he brought mm -hmm. truth and grace. 
So good, man. And I think that's why Paul is is backing them up. He's he's showing them that this law that you're grabbing onto is a footnote to faith, not vice versa. The law is a footnote to faith. It, but in this human love of control, you put the law in front of faith, and therefore you have dismantled. You have you you have. I mean, dismantle is probably the best word. You've dismantled the actual law and the whole purpose of it. Well, they've I made, think we have to remember. Go ahead. Well, you you said footnote. We've almost made like, a, you know, a life lived according to the law as like synonymous to faith. We've yeah. almost like the way we've we've painted it in some you know circles, and I certainly was in that for a long time. Like, dude, this this is what is faith. Like, how's your faith? Yes. Hey, man, how's your faith? And what, and they, you what they mean by law. that is like, you know, how are you how are you doing? on like just living out all these commands yeah we we forget or we ignore or we've just never learned that the law of god is good and beautiful but it definitely assumes that we will fail and it doesn't do anything to prevent it it assumes you will fail because again those it who fast are free tracks to it. fail <laughs> fast are the most failing. free like there's something in this for us you know <laughs> But it, it doesn't, it assumes you will fail and it doesn't do anything to prevent it. If you go to Galatians 3, I think around like verse 19, Paul says that it was added 430 years after the promise to Abraham that was received by faith and people learned to live by faith. That this thing, you know, it was added because of transgressions, is what Paul says in verse 19. In other words, it was added to, to reveal something about ourselves. Mm-hmm not to bring renewal to ourselves. Hmm. And there's, man, there's, there's, there's a freedom in, in understanding that because when I, you know, just making some note about, you know, some notes about this, when you, when you back up and look at like Abraham, right? What playbook did he have? None. He so just the, had a promise. The law is a playbook. Yeah. It's, it's not there. What five-year plan did he make? None. Like, this is well, a dude who's constantly failing, and he does. He fails royally a number of times as you look at his story. Well, but his failing was rooted in, like, man, when's this promise going to come about? Like, the slowness yeah. of, you know, the lack of progress is the is the thing yep. that really forced his failing. He was trying to bring it about himself. Hundred percent, and but I think there's something to look at there. Like, yeah, he's failing, but he he's failing in a freedom that is found in a life of faith. Because even in his failing, there he still ends right. He still ends trusting the promise. In other words, he's not failing alone, separate from God, and then he needs the law to somehow get back into his good graces. He's failing in a life of faith as someone who lives in union with God, mm. even in his failure. And there's something that he's learning about God in this. There's something that he's learning about himself in this. There's something that he's learning about the world in this. There's an adventure and a beauty and a depth and a pain and a struggle that all is happening in this. But he's experiencing life. I think that's there's something there to, to grab onto. 
And so when you when you back that up, I think you start to realize why Paul is looking at this crowd that's grabbing onto the law and he's backing them up and he's saying, stop with law, stop with this Moses and the law, Moses and the law. It starts with Abraham and faith 430 years earlier. Yeah. This is what you need to grab onto. And if you don't, you will not only miss what the law's for, you'll misuse it all of your days. Mm -hmm. And you'll bring a dismantling to your life and to the lives of people around you. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that play out in droves right now. Everywhere we look is a pursuit of a freedom we already have that ironically just enslaves us. It's kind of funny, you know what I'm saying? When yeah. you when you think about it. And so the I'll just say this quickly, the meaning of 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 the law, okay? The meaning of the law, the Torah in Hebrew is to throw something. That's what it means. Like literally to throw something. Okay? And it's 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 a reference to something specific like an arrow that will hit its mark. And so the point here the point here is that we need something, and I love how Peterson draws this out in his commentary on Galatians. We need something to use the law on. We need something to use the law on, which is the free life of faith. If you don't understand this, again, you will misuse the law. So does it point to what harmony looks like? Yes. That's where it's a good and beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And when you can see what God's unveiled in the law in relation to our relationship to him and to one another, and begin to use it as, as a picture of harmony. You know what I mean? Amen. Because you're applying it now to a free life of faith, a life of all that, that's already lived in union with God because of what God has done, not because of what we do. Mm -hmm. See the difference there? But if you flip that, well, now the law is a means to getting us into union with God and keeping us there, proving that we are there, validating our faith, as you brought up in many circles. And now, dude, we just, we've just completely undone what God's put in place. Yeah. We just turned free people into slaves. And spiritually, you just remain a child. Yes. You just remain a child. And as a parent, you know, like our uh, our oldest just turned 18 on December 22nd. Um, mm. And then our second oldest turned 16 just eight days prior to that. And, you know, you know, Pam and I are sitting and chatting, you know, like mm. they say, like, when a kid turns 18, you've already spent like 80, 90 percent of like your time, mm. you know, with them. I mean, it's enough to make you cry, you know, as a parent, yeah. but that's the whole goal is that these kids eventually like leave your house and start their own lives, mm -hmm. make families, new traditions, you know what I'm saying? Multiply. Um, and spiritually what's going on is like just some overbearing parents in these Judaizers. They're just trying to forever keep everyone around them to remain toddlers with yeah. gates on the stairs, all the yeah. sharp objects put up, you know, little, little styrofoam, you know, things stuck to the corners of all the tables so no one will hit their head and, and get gashed. And yeah, dude, it's risky. You know, freedom is risky. You yeah. can't control it 
which is why. And we're just so scared to death of it. But God in his wisdom is like, no, man, this thing's about a life of faith. And freedom is about a life of faith. And man, our law loving hearts, we're just scared to death of freedom. Yeah. And if you bring, I feel like the law into that picture, your children were born into a free family. And that family is rooted in faith. And you have, as they were children, you've used the law to help them see what is good, but also to help them see, right, that they aren't. They're actually self-reliant creatures in love of control <laughs> mm -hmm. who oftentimes choose opposite and therefore are constantly dealing with disharmony in life instead of the harmony that's actually revealed in a picture of what's good. Mm -hmm. But when you use it as a way to help them see where harmony is found in this free life of faith versus as a means to get into that family, stay in that family, prove that they're in that family, belong, blah, blah, blah. Dude, now you get to a point where, like you said, your children are older and you know you, you and Pam are dealing differently with them now and helping them right move on into this free life of adventure with God out in the real world. Mm-hmm. That's the opposite, like you said, of what the Judaizers were doing. Yep. And how they saw the law and how they used the law. The One ultimate helicopter quotes. parents, the Judaizers. Oh, yeah. What a bunch yeah, of freaking killjoys, man. There's a, there's a, a great uh, a quote by Will Willimon, a professor at Duke, who when he was talking about just the role of the law, he says, man, I want to teach my students about grace. I want to teach them about this free life of faith that they've been given, but to help them understand like that connection to the law, he says, what I do is I challenge them to commit that during the course of the semester, they will not have sex with anyone to whom they are not married. That's how he teaches. Like you were saying, like something you would teach a child right in their foundation that can then play a role later as they move out. And this is how he went on to explain it to Michelle. He says, when it comes to woke, well-behaved, inclusive, self-actualized, social justice-minded Bernie bros and gals, I just don't know any better way to acquaint them to the reality that they're sinners other than by telling them it's unlawful for them to have sex outside of marriage. <laughs> I just found myself laughing at that because it, it does... I feel like it just makes this cool connection with what Paul's saying, what you're even saying about like raising children, the role the Judaizers were playing in keeping people as children's. You know, it's like, oh man, like the law plays this beautiful role in showing us who we really are. And it gives us a picture of where harmony's found. It just never brings it about. And it was never supposed to. Yeah, and That's if you're like point. and if you're like my Aunt Nancy. It's like you're just sick and tired of failing. Yeah. Cause because failing, if there's not a promise on the other side of failing and a God who's just crazy committed to you, like in eternity past, crazy committed to you with yeah. an everlasting love that's rooted in the covenant that he made by himself, not with another party. Because when he made this promise to Abraham, he put Abraham to sleep. It wasn't a handshake between two equals. No, no. It was a promise made by God to humanity. 
And so if you're the kind of person that just wants like nothing to do with God, you know, not knowing that on the other side of your failure is a God that's just crazy committed to you, no matter your behavior, then yeah, you know, I could see failure as like the period, the final blow. Yeah. But man, there's something beautiful about failing because one, it tells us the, the reality and the truth about who we are. But with eyes of faith, we're able to see a God who loves us. Yeah. Yeah. Later on in the in chapter three, like around verse 22, 23, Paul refers to the word that he uses for the law there to help them understand is uh refers to it as a guardian. A guardian. The Greek word that's used there is a specific reference to a Greek slave that wealthy families, okay, would use. It was generally an older person. And their job is they were assigned to their children. Okay. Every wealthy family would have an older Greek slave whose job was to be a literally a guardian. And their responsibility was walking a child from ages 6 to 16 to their tutor every day and then safely back home. Their job was to deliver the child to their teacher. Think about that. Probably had to make lunch too. Probably. Or at least bring it with them. Somebody's got to carry that, carry that brown paper bag. But I love that picture, man, because what he's saying here is uh, the law is not the law is not the teacher. Hmm. The teacher, okay, has a name. His name is Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's united himself to the world. He's the one the promise, right, was fulfilled through. He's the one who teaches you. The law's job is to deliver you to the teacher. Mm. And it didn't show up until 430 years after God had spent a bunch of time establishing that there's a promise that's been made. It's a covenant. It's a one-way deal that's been that is made and carried out by me alone by which you can enter into and to begin to enjoy a life of faith. Then comes a guardian that delivers you, right, to the teacher. And now the teacher lives and dwells in you. It's and such a cool, beautiful story of like, like you said, man, like it plays this role with us as children when we're young, but it's so that we can grow up and go live well, in this adventure. The only thing that's in my head right now with this analogy of Jesus being a teacher is he's just like, you know, looking at us and like singing back to us those famous words from Alice Cooper. School's out forever. <laughs> School's out forever, bro. Cheers to that. Cheers. To understanding the role of the law when it's applied to a life of faith. Amen. I hope that uh, 
I hope that can, I hope that that truth, man, plays a role in in the lives we live in 2024. Yeah. Amen, man. Till next time. Till next time.